Welcome to NutraCast, a production by Nutra Ingredients USA. I'm Danielle Masterson, and thank you for joining me here on the NutraCast, where we talk and share insights from inside the nutrition industry. It is a new year, and for many, that means a new diet. The ever-changing world of nutrition programs, dieting, and wellness can be difficult to navigate. To help us sort out some of those diet trends, I'd like to welcome Joshua Schall of J. Schall Consulting, who specializes in brand development, marketing, and so much more. Welcome, Josh. Thank you, Danielle. I appreciate it. So Americans spend over $60 billion a year on health and fitness. That includes gym memberships and supplements and everything in between. And Although weight loss has been around for a while, we are still seeing a whole lot of new players entering the market. How are older brands staying competitive? Yeah, it's an interesting kind of question because, yeah, it's a mature category and there's established names, but yet there's still, you know, a ton of new entrants. People are seeing the opportunity um, through maybe specializing or targeting or using technology. Um, different channels to get to um, some of these new customers, but uh, established legacy brands uh, in weight management products are left to compete with these new entrants. And they've had to kind of look at this from a number of different ways. I think Firstly, you can see that a lot of them are are focusing on content and creating content that fills in the gaps um, outside of just offering a supplement, a fat burner that helps you know a consumer maybe you know with their goals. They're saying, "Hey, there's more to this than just taking a magic pill." There there is some other elements that are arguably a lot more important to the equation here, and we're going to help provide that education through content creation. So is that helping them demystify uh, some training programs, um, diets, um, things like that? That's what you're starting to see. But you're also seeing them follow some of the trends around diets. Um, You're no longer seeing uh, people just follow a balanced diet a lot of times. You're seeing them follow some specialized diets, be that keto or paleo or maybe just a plant-based diet. And products are starting to be created for those uh, specific uh, diets. So you're seeing even established players, uh, major brands launch keto uh, line extensions or plant-based products or, you know, things that would fit into those diets. So they're not just saying you have this pill and, and this pill will work for everybody. They're saying, hey, there's some other products that we can add to the basket that might help you along this diet. And I think you're also seeing these major competitors use their scale to their advantage. A lot of the new entrants into the market, customers are now buying supplements in like food. Uh, so grocery stores, uh, mass retailers, club stores, um, convenience, a lot of different kind of channels outside of just like specialty supplement retailers like a GNC or a vitamin shop. So if you are one of these big companies that have the ability to be effective in those large channels like a Walmart or a Target where a lot of new customers are shopping for supplements, you can leverage that scale and, and largeness of your, your company to make sure you're positioned on shelf for those customers that are looking for those products at that time. Josh, do you think a lot of people still go to the store to purchase these products or do you think more people are actually just buying them online? 
I still think primarily supplements are bought in store. Now, that is much different of a percentage, I think, than if we're talking just like beverages or we're talking about general foods. Supplements do have a much larger digital penetration or, or share of digital sales comparable to total sales. With a product maybe like a fat burner being that it's a capsule, you have it being very light in a bottle, very easy to ship. The economics of the unit is set up very well for digital sales. But I think overall, it's still physical retail is still the dominant force in in commerce overall. I think it's somewhere around 88% of total retail sales um, in general still go through the store. So though I think flashy and exciting thing is is digital and, and a lot of um, sales are going through online, I still think a lot of consumers, especially maybe even new consumers that are just getting into supplements are buying products through a Walmart or a, or a Target. You mentioned earlier uh, sort of a lifestyle approach. Do you think personalized nutrition is kind of coming into play in some of these trends that we're seeing too? Personalized nutrition is very interesting. I mean, in its current kind of application and, and definitely in its future kind of application, I think that problem that personalized nutrition at least solves in the beginning is that there's a lot of different information that's out there. There's a, a you know, we're in the information age in terms of being able to find anything online. And there's a lot of noise. Like, what do you listen to? How do you know that whatever you're reading is is going to be best for you? And that's really what you're trying to solve is you're trying to, you're trying to figure out how to get to your goal within your own personal way of, of life, your lifestyle. And personalized nutrition, being that there's um, some input forms or some type of questionnaire where you're, you're actually uh, the company on the other side, be that offering you maybe some, some food or offering you some supplements, um, they are at least getting some personalized information about you to then run through their algorithms and, and give you at least a uh, element of like a personalized approach to Uh, your weight management or whatever kind of thing you're trying to solve. So I think it's super interesting. I I definitely think it's still very early for most people to really know what it's going to be in the future. But I think it's it's definitely a a super interesting trend, one that I watch very closely. And I noticed you said uh, weight management. You didn't say diet. Are you noticing that companies like Weight Watchers aren't using that word diet, that they're choosing weight management instead? Yeah, the... The emphasis on these words like diet or or skinny or thin um, seems to be happening all over the place. Um, I, society in general um, seems to be a very much kind of upset around being labeled um, certain things now. I think the idea of just skinny being sexy is the only way uh, or skinny being beautiful is the only way to be, uh, I think has went by the wayside. That was what maybe magazines uh, gave people for the longest time, or maybe just television where there was these gatekeepers that basically said, hey, this is the image that you need to to be. I think that social media has totally kind of democratized uh, the idea of what is beautiful or what is healthy and what is the idea of wellness and, and everything like that, because you can no, you can find like your tribe, your community with social media, whatever you're really into, you start to realize it's not all that unique, um, that there's other people out there in the world that have similar interests to you. And then that starts this uh, different idea of what you think of when you think about you know, getting healthy or, or wellness. And companies 
are having to adapt to that. You no longer have this very strict definition of what uh, diet or, or skinny or, or thin or whatever. And companies that are leaning on those words or leaning on the old you know, ways of, of kind of describing everything are getting pressure put on them to change. So you're seeing Weight Watchers change to WW. You see uh, Think Thin changing just to think and a number of other companies that have changed some of their uh, language marketing wise or just as a total rebrand. And to kind of take this one step further around thinking about weight management or thinking about wellness and everything is more holistic. Even when you sign on with Weight Watchers or or WW, um, you get a 90 day subscription for free of Headspace, which is an app around meditation. So they're really trying to think about getting healthier or losing weight in a more like holistic approach that combines things like, you know, your mind, your body, and your soul over just here is a fat burner pill. It's going to get you skinny. And that means you're healthy. Yeah. And taking it even another step further, you know, you mentioned uh, changing the language or not emphasizing certain words, but think about perhaps maybe even a decade ago, some of the marketing materials, the posters, the things that you would see, the appearance of women in particular has changed from you know the super slim look to more athletic these days. Yeah, you're seeing that in not you know not just fitness and health. I mean, even from the perspective of like a Victoria's Secrets, uh, they have changed dramatically even what their image is that they've put out there to women and saying you know, we're not, we're not really displaying the right image anymore of, of what women uh, want to look like or think that is, uh, you know, the best to kind of look at, like they're backing all that away from this, the idea of what it used to be like the angels, uh, the, you know, the whole fashion show thing that they had and really saying like, there's so many different shapes and sizes and, and everybody's beautiful and healthy is much different. And we have to look at things uh, in a in a more broad way, because the definition that was set forth for decades by these gatekeepers, the gatekeepers are, are kind of the, the power is taken away from them now. And, and that's mostly, I think, because of, of something like social media. Exactly. And one person who's really been a leader in that, Brianna, she actually is one of the people who has a brand kind of similar to Victoria's Secret, but instead of having a bunch of thin runway ready models out there, she's got a lot of customers who send in pictures that she posts and that's how she sells a lot of her product. So that's just one more way that social media is really helping and put things more in that direction. Yeah, I don't know too much about that line, but it's just the idea of inclusivity and, and realizing that there's so many different ways to look at this now. And if you are a brand, it's hard for you to have a hard line towards things that maybe are no longer acceptable. You know, it's okay to be very targeted and, and know who your customer is, but it's also to the detriment if, if that hard line is something that is really not acceptable in, in the public anymore. You know, an, another customer base that's entering the market and has been in the market for a little while is millennials. Um, but they're a little bit different than I, I would say than the other age groups and that their weight loss efforts are have always probably focused more on health and eating and things like that versus the older ones who perhaps have made more of a transition. And then another thing that's different about millennials is they don't always have a lot of money. So they've got these limited incomes. Can they afford 
some of these popular diets that we're seeing today? I think that, you know, there's a ton of different pressures on on maybe why millennials um, don't have wallet left to to spend maybe based uh, comparatively to like other generations. But you're starting to see that change. You're starting to see more millennials um, get into their kind of peak earning uh, phase. And a lot of that is, is kind of changing. But just if we're talking about can anybody afford some of these these diets overall I, I think that the the more specialized these things get um, you know the more that we put pressure on the supply chain of, of foods and things I think that it's initially going to take some time for people to be able to maybe even afford those things so what I'm talking about here is that you know everybody wants to have maybe grass-fed this or they want organic that or or whatever and that's great but there is you know, an issue in terms of the supply chain that there's not enough of scale in the system for them to charge the same price as conventional farmed products or raised products. So you have a higher price. And until you get enough of people to be buying this and more um, scale into the system, the price can't kind of go down. So there's going to be this at least initial period where it is a little bit of a stretch in terms of affordability. But I think that millennials um, have have done a really good job at deciding what they want to buy and what they don't want to buy based around a number of different factors. And I think that that's why you're seeing kind of this big spread on winners and losers across any of the diets uh, or any of the uh, nutrition trends or food trends or anything like that. There's seems to be a wide kind of array of, of winners and losers where there's there's money getting spent towards the good ones and the ones that they think are good. And then the ones that aren't, they're okay with just kind of killing off in a way, which is much different than previous generations that kind of stayed in the middle. They just kind of bought what their parents bought and they ate how their parents ate. And all the generations just kind of perpetuated the same thing where millennials were the first ones to kind of stand up and ask questions and start to make decisions that make the category of just CPG in general look much different than it did uh, 10 years ago. Right. I think they definitely highlighted the need for transparency, which is something that we are definitely seeing more in recent months and years. Yeah, I think it's just natural. I mean, we're we're in this age of information. And if you can quickly Google or just ask, uh, you know, Alexa a question and she can get you an answer really quickly, that kind of leads into every part of your life. And if you're not able to get those answers in the food you're eating or the supplements you're taking or anything like that, you start to raise you know, questions about, should I spend money on this? Is there other options in the market? And the kind of great thing about today is that there is so many options. There's so many substitutes in the market. If you don't like what a brand is offering you, regardless if they've been around for 100 years, there's so many different options that are going to be better fit for what you're looking for. And transparency is a big one because people want to know what they're consuming. Exactly. And although Alexa can't answer everything, it is comforting to know she can answer quite a bit at least. What are some of your predictions as far as diet trends for 2020, Josh? I think you know this year is just going to be uh, a further continuation of, of what we saw maybe last year with some of these more specialized diets becoming more popular. So talking about you know keto or talking about plant-based, um, I think that those trends kind of fit into what I just kind of talked about with 
the middle is boring. Nobody wants to be plain and boring anymore. People want to feel like there's some perceived specialization or personalization around their diet. So they're going to go towards maybe one end of the spectrum or another because they know it's not it's not the middle. It's not boring anymore. I think kind of counter to that, you're also going to see a lot of consumers start to go towards a goal and then work back from that. So if they have issues maybe with allergens or maybe they have issues with something um, from a health-related thing like IBS or something like that, they're going to work backwards and say, is there a diet specifically for me, you know, like a FODMAP diet or, or there... They're going to look at things as what is what am I trying to get to from the goal and then work back over, you know, if I take a fat burner, I'm going to be more healthy and they, they're not working kind of this phase is the right direction. So I think you're going to you're going to see that happen. And then, you know, if we're just talking general kind of nutrition and food uh, trend, I think you're going to see a further kind of reinvention of kind of indulgent foods or conventional foods that we have all grown up with forever being reinvented in a more like functional or better for you way. So, you know, maybe we still love to eat, you know, a, a Twinkie or something like crazy like that. You're going to start to see brands be able to recreate that in a way that's uh, going to fit the lifestyles of today. Um, and that's going to be seen across every single category. You're going to see more of the foods on shelf at your local grocery store um, look a lot more like what we thought was healthy food maybe 10 years ago. But is it really healthy? That's a, yeah, that's a question for another uh, episode, I think. You know. <laughs> that's a question for Alexa, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Josh, thank you so much for your insight. Appreciate it, Danielle. Thank you for your time. Influencers, the microbiome, protein, formulation challenges, and opportunities, and female athletic consumers are just some of the topics that will take center stage at the Nutra Ingredients USA Sports Nutrition Summit in San Diego. It's right around the corner, February 3rd through 5th. You can find out more at NutraIngredients.com. Thank you for joining us for today's installation. I'm Danielle Masterson, and I'll catch you here on the next NutraCast next week. <laughs>